Wherever you love to ride, the pros closet has the road, mountain, gravel, and e-bikes to take you there. Join the ride at theprosclosetcom forward slash audio. I still wouldn't surprise me if Glenn Allen Hill was just bombed and tripped through his coffee table. Always point out Marcus Stroman's flaws, even not on Twitter, because he can he can sense that. <laughs> he can correct for that. Uh, I figure we would have covered the Masahiro Tanaka trade on the podcast <laughs> the week it happened. And welcome once again to episode 31 of Artificial Turf Wars, grabbing the rosin bag during a brawl. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Josh Housem. How you doing, Josh? Well, I think we'll get to how I'm doing when we start discussing the most la- the latest game. <laughs> wow, you, we have been skewed by recency. Uh, we do have, of course, a lot to cover this week as we creep towards the playoffs, but... First and foremost, we're probably going to spend a, a few minutes on uh, the unfortunate passing of Jose Fernandez because I think he deserves that uh, that respect and that time. And then we're going to talk about uh, something that I don't think deserves any respect, which is the big brawl that the Blue Jays got involved in. The fantastic starting pitching, the, uh, well, I have your note here. I, we'll call it questionable bullpen performances and uh, <laughs> offensive performances. Uh, jo- Josh may not have said questionable there. <laughs> we have a do-over. We uh, we have a not do-over. We don't usually do that. Uh, even if we have time, have a cliche of the week, because in between that, we're going to have some questions. And apparently, you're a very engaged fan base this week because we have an unusual number of questions we're going to try and get to most, if not all of them. Do you know why we got so many? Because I asked them when the game was going well. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, sometimes they don't have a lead on the day we record, and that is really problematic. <laughs> how, do you, how do you work? Because you can't get a pregame because then nobody's on Twitter. This is this yeah. is very difficult. This is tricky stuff. Uh, I don't know how to segue from that lightheartedness into the passing of Jose Fernandez. Um, so I'm just going to go right out there. That This is baseball's saddest story of I don't know how long. Um, to see that the young phenomena of Jose Fernandez as as both a person who clearly loved life and a pitcher who was awesome at what he did um, is not with us anymore. And then, I don't know if you want to talk about, about the aftermath and the game that they played afterwards? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, part of the reason I think that this resonates so much more than Oscar Taveras dying a couple years ago well, I mean, aside from the fact that Fernandez was much more visible, he wasn't just a prospect. He was one of the best players, and he was smiley and jovial, and everybody knew who he was. But Tavares died in the offseason, which it was equally tragic, and it was horrible. But Fernandez, I mean, they had to come back and play baseball the next day. Well, I guess two days later. And the uh, the on-field display was... It was really, really classy by both the the Mets and the Marlins, you know, embracing each other on the field. And then the moment with D. Gordon when he 
took, you know, he wore Fernandez's helmet and t- took his batting stance for the first pitch and then hit the ball farther than he's ever hit in his life and had tears coming across home plate. It was just really, really sad, but very profound how much of an impact he had on those people. Yeah. It, it to to watch them, uh, you know, the night of to places uh, of his death to, to place the hat on the mound at a memorial, and and say that you know it's it's his mound forever. Um, in a way, I I think, I think people don't don't know what to do in that moment of loss, and I think a lot of the things they tried really really came out from the heart. That um, there wasn't anything macho. You know what I mean about like we hear that a lot in baseball. Oh man, up, toughen up, whatever. Well, no. When it comes down to it, when something in real life affects you in a real way, it's okay to be a human being and to be hurt and to be lost and to feel like garbage when when you when you're grieving. And and I, I think that that's good that nobody tried to to turn that off. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know whether someone even if they could try would be able to. And and but it's just also like the the Mets players too. I mean. Uh, Noah Syndergaard after he had that great game is like normally I'd be tweeting something funny but I can't after I, I just felt strange pitching on Jose's mound you know like it's just it affects everybody and then uh, Alemis Diaz was his friend growing up then he hits a grand slam in his first game back he's been hurt just a lot of I, I, I imagine that the, the, a lot of emotion was sort of powering these people as opposed to just the normal you know the ups and downs of a baseball game yeah, and I think the other thing is because a lot of these players come from, especially the Cuban sort of uh, culture and the, the Hispanic culture, that they want to, they sort of stick together. Um, so they they don't just because a guy's on an opposing team, you're far more likely to see him as a friend in the off season or to meet up with him or to have, share something in common with him. We see it all the time with Blue Jays players, like Jose Bautista hangs out with David Ortiz and Edwin Encarnacion and Robinson Cano, and I, I think. Because that sort of old school, you know, two teams being against one another thing isn't there anymore, I think it really does resonate across all of baseball um, all the time. Is that there's players on every team who knew Fernandez as, as more than an opponent. Yeah. I mean, on the Blue Jays, Edward Encarnacion did not go up to the plate with walk-up music to honor Fernandez. Just didn't feel like having his music is very upbeat and celebratory and obviously didn't want that. And just seeing the reactions of the faces of the players around the game, it was, you know, it was like you said, like clearly, like they're all touched everybody, not just his teammates. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know how we, I don't know how we leave that. Um, there was an idea I think that that is probably worth talking about or worth worth keeping an eye on of uh, an award to a player who most embodies the spirit of of the game of of the joy that. Um, you, you can play baseball with. Um, I saw it first tweeted out by Harry Pavlidis, but then Ken Rosenthal, with a very similar phrasing, said the same thing. Um, it would be nice to have an award at the end of the season for, for someone who played sort of with their heart on their sleeve and, and really soaked in all of the, you know, all of the fun that baseball has to offer, regardless of whether they were on a winning or a losing team that year. Yeah, I don't think anybody would really have a problem with that. I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I imagine anybody could get behind that. Yeah, so we'll sort of keep an eye on that and see if maybe that is a tribute. Uh, the Marlins did announce that their Rookie of the Year award is now the Jose Fernandez Award because um, uh, that was their tribute, and Jose won that for them in t- 2013. So, and they also retired his number. Mm, yeah, and I think after everyone wore it the, the one night. 
And I think that was, uh, and that's another gesture. It's easy to get behind. That is the Marlins' first retired number in their history. So, well, we yep. got all the gestures right. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully nothing happens tragic in the future, or, or, or you know, maybe somebody thinks twice before uh, before going out and, uh, in his case, going out at night on a boat, which obviously you don't expect to go badly, but maybe you think twice. I don't know. I'm sure there's there's more to that story. Okay, so the Blue Jays took all of that goodwill and somberness, and they decided that they weren't going to let it affect their their game with the Yankees. Uh, there, and, there's a great juxtaposed photo. It's like of the Mets and the Marlins come and get together to embrace over the mound, and then the Jays and the Yankees going at each other. Yeah, they look exactly the same with completely different obviously emotions yeah the, the still photo would look a lot alike just don't zoom in on any of the moving parts um i have always thought that baseball brawls are dumb on the principle of generally fighting about sports is dumb but more to the i guess practical point i've always thought they were dumb because no one's going to be magically healed during one and it's most likely someone is going to get hurt i i assume you're not a fan of the brawl i thought the whole thing was stupid i mean this whole concept like oh you can't throw inside drawer hitters wah 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 i mean the ball to donaldson it ticked his body armor so barely that the catcher still caught it <laughs> and then if you there was a shot of kevin pilar in the dugout mocking donaldson for for cringing going dude it's it didn't even hit you. You were all scared. You didn't even have to worry about it. And then, is it Jay? Does Jay Hap, Jay Hap, take that upon himself to do that? Do you think? Um, it's it's tough to say that. And though without being in the dugout, I mean, it could be a situation where in the past these guys have felt they weren't protected, which is just it's like by throwing at someone, you're just guaranteeing someone else is going to get hit. So it's a stupid concept, but. I mean, I get, I understand at least, you know, these the guys feel this way. So, in Hap's case, he either did it on his own or he got a nudge from someone. But I mean, it's clearly he felt it was necessary. We need Mark Burley back. Yeah. I'm, well. I'm pretty sure if Mark Burley, given what he'd said about Strowman and to Strowman when he threw at someone in 2014, the year before he got hurt. Um, you know, the the idea yeah, of... Yeah, the, the Orioles catcher. Yeah, the idea of all that retaliation was a bit silly to Mark as well. And it would have been a, it would have been nice to have someone with a level head. Uh, so, well, just, here's yeah. the thing, like, retaliation, like what Severino did, right? Mm -hmm. That was just expected. I mean, it's one thing to, like, to do what Severino did. You knew, like, that was just going to happen. He was going to hit someone back because they threw intentionally at their player. No one threw at Donaldson. No. He, he got so hit hitting him, so hitting Headley made no sense. Yeah, I, I, I would put ninety-five percent of this on Jay Hap and whomever. If there was someone who who nudged Jay Hap to do it, then the, the, they share equally in that because Hap actually took his suggestion. I would, however, put five percent of the brawl on on the home plate umpire Titchener. I I umpired only kids baseball, but I am just astonished. By the amount... Okay, some men's baseball. That was good fun. Um, I am astonished by the amount 
of time that umpires spend paying attention to things but not watching the game that they're umpiring <laughs> yeah i don't understand like so yes as you i, I think that more I, I think the escalation of things goes to half but getting them to the final state i think it's more than five percent on the umpire for like how are you if he just ejects severino after that first inside pitch to smoke which was as, as intentional as it gets yep the very first pitch of the inning is inside to smoke uh, and it's like three feet inside. I mean, it's like <laughs> clearly at him. Smoke just got out of the way. Yep. If, if he ejects in there, yeah, the Dago is probably like people walk out and jaw, but there's no fight. Mm-hmm. And the Jays, therefore, are not down two players. Which is the real, real stupid fallout from this is they lose. Who do you want me to talk about first? They lose. Uh, Devin Travis to straining his shoulder because he was struggling and punching at people with oh I don't know he wasn't the, punching what was he doing he was pushing he was trying to push people back with his surgically he was actually peacekeeping shoulder yes well and then Benoit thirty nine year old Joaquin Benoit sprinting in from the bullpen tears his cap he did not sprint very far if that footage I have seen is correct he only got about. 15 feet? feet out of the bullpen, maybe, and fell down. Yeah. I mean, it's not up yeah. there with having a bad dream about spiders and smashing through a coffee table. It's not that. I still don't know how true that story is. I still wouldn't surprise me if Glenn Allen Hill was just bombed and tripped through his coffee table. But we have the story. So The story's great. We got to go with the story as as great stories about injury. <laughs> this one is like I fell down, like I'm I am incapable of running. <laughs> well, that's what happened. To, that's what happened to Brett Cecil, who was not 39 years old. He was just uh, in a rundown, and his calf blew up. On the on the bright side, he was playing baseball at the time. Yeah, Brett Cecil's better story is I was cutting chicken. Cut <laughs> <laughs> his hand. Yeah. He slices his hand. Yeah. Cutting chicken. Never yeah. cut chicken. If if you get a, a job as a major league baseball player making a half million dollars a year, hire somebody to cut your chicken for you. That's what I say. And don't be Jeff Kent and make up drunken brawl stories that you fill up your truck washing it. Also a good good kind of suggestion. So now we're down the seventh inning guy, which I think actually might not be the worst worst thing because of how much play the seventh seventh inning guy ultimately might get and that you have a fairly capable duo of Joe Biagini slash Brett Cecil or possibly, I don't know who else at the moment, who could fill in that role not too badly. Well, I agree with that. The problem is their eighth and ninth inning guys have imploded lately. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Is that what we're going to talk about now or are we going to talk... Well, may as well. I mean, like you, you've gone into it. We can go back to the starting pitching and why okay. is you know why, but I mean the bullpen since we did this podcast has had three save opportunities. No, that's not true. They've had four. They've had four save opportunities and blown three of them, and blown them all with the uh, the dinger. Have they not? No, the the first Osuna blown save wasn't to. Wasn't, wasn't a, a home, home run. run. Oh, well. No, that was just the Yankees getting a bunch of hits in a row. Mm. He, he really gave up three home runs in his two innings of work. Wow. Yeah, so in, in, in this, since we've recorded the last podcast, Osuna and Grilly have thrown six innings and given up nine runs. 
that seems uh that's well okay also the has osuna i'm 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 not 100 percent, but is not osuna the guy you've used three days three days out of the last four i think it's four to five four out of five that's not i i don't i understand that if you had a lead that was more than three months but he came in with a four-run lead didn't he yeah, this was okay. So this sort of spurned a piece I wrote for uh, BP Toronto about Brett Cecil, the vanishing Brett Cecil. Um, in that inning, I was there at this game. They had Brett Cecil warming up after the two-out double for Tulowitzki in case it went to five runs. What the hell's the difference? A four-run lead or a five-run lead? You're gonna win that game 99% of the time. Don't bring in your closer for the third day out of four and then be forced to use it again the fourth day out of five. Now there's no way he can pitch in the closer of the series. Yeah. Or if he does, he'll be, you know, f- five days out of six. He'll look like Dellen Batances. I, I, honestly, Dellen Batances is like a, a little tutorial in why you don't want to overuse a guy at this point in the season. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and Osuna's velocity has been down lately. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are saying, you know, it's like oh, the fastball that uh, Kim hit out today was 97 miles an hour, but he missed his spot by three feet. Which tells me uh, from my amateur perspective that he's probably overthrowing to get that 97 miles an hour. Uh, and well, he might be right. I mean, just we don't know. But I mean, the point is he is throwing slower and then there, his velo- he's not been able to finish guys off very well. He had one game last week where he was great. We had four strikeouts and four batters. But other than that. He's been a lot of foul balls with two strikes. Yeah, yeah, and and if you don't have the swing and miss pitch, if if you're Roberto Osuna, if that's if that sequence isn't working, uh, you have all kinds of problems because he's he's not really at this point built to throw thirty pitches in an inning. Regardless, I, it's just not the way he's been set up. So, I I don't think this is a disaster, but I definitely think he needs a couple days. You have to give him a couple days, regardless of what the game situation is. Which actually makes the the blown saves in these games much worse. Because if they'd won these two games, the the next four wouldn't matter. Yep, it'd be over. Such such is the run to the finish line in baseball, huh? Mm-hmm. If this, then that. You so know, it's the, funny we're talking about a four and two week, right? Yep. I I, I'm, like, I it's a better week than the week before. Yeah. <laughs> It's just okay. it's, you know it's the <laughs> four and two week, and you just but just because it should be six and zero, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and well, and I guess I'll 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 take your segue this time. You know, and the reason is the starting pitching. Starting pitching has been absolutely awesome. In I believe the, what is seven games now in a row with one run or less allowed by the starters. Earned run. Earned run. Well. Yeah, have to give up two runs. This well, in this week, in their six starts, they had an ERA of zero point six eight, <laughs> and we still lost two games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Francisco Lariano <laughs> and Jay Happ combined for uh, in the last two starts, thirteen and two third innings of two run ball, and they lost them both. I specifically pointed out, by the way, multiple times that Marcus Stroman hadn't had an a outing all year, which was scoreless. And then he did this last time out. Exactly. So always point out Marcus Stroman's flaws, even not on Twitter, because he can he can sense that. <laughs> <laughs> he can correct for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Jays' starting pitching continues to be incredible. I mean, and Francisco Loriano has 
really turn things around. He's been unbelievable lately. I mean, it's like I said, this week, 12 and a third inning, 16 strikeouts, three walks, no runs. Uh, yeah. Aaron Sanchez is your, well, did Fulmer pitch tonight? Uh, yes, but they did had rain issues. Run? I don't know exactly what happened with that game. So possibly if Fulmer went 6.1 innings or more and didn't allow a run, he's your American League earned run average leader. Uh, but if not, it's still Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, the starting pitching has been unbelievable. And Fulmer went three and a third and gave up three. So, voila, your American League still Aaron Sanchez. leader is, is, is uh, Mr. Sanchez, which we obviously all saw coming out of spring training is that's where he would end up at this point. Um, so the highlight of the offense, which is the third, you know, well, we, we've got four pillars here. The defense has been fine. The base running hasn't, but okay, <laughs> we'll... we'll can start well that's part of offense yeah jose bautista with the exception of the base running uh jose bautista went through a period of bautista awesomeness which i hope he has not completely left behind which i wrote a whole article about um but i won't go into the the gory details without jose bautista this is not a four and two week uh no no (laughs) no it's not (laughs) three run home run here game tying home run there or game go ahead home run go ahead hit uh yeah i mean the game that go ahead that that game that they blew the save against uh new york but one he was on base four times in four plate appearances in that game Mm -hmm. jose bautista used to be must see tv every at bat and somewhere in there in in his aging body it's still there um I just I hope he can maintain that going into these playoffs because it I don't know where where is the rest of the offense? Yeah, I mean Donaldson's been hitting a little bit better. Chulo had a couple of doubles, but it's just still so many squandered opportunities. I mean, in today's game, you know, they where they scored two runs, they didn't get a single hit to drive in a run. I was gonna say the first inning was error. Two base error, sack fly. That's <laughs> in the There's second a... run scored on a sack fly as well. Yes, the, the powerhouse offense of the Toronto Blue Jays, and that uh, yeah, and then the second sack fly, and then we didn't hear from them for the rest of the game. Now they did load the bases um, via a couple of hit by pitches and a walk, because that's pretty yeah. much the way the Blue Jays like to load the bases is is with free passes and and hit by pitches and the occasional single. I mean even. Buck and Pat were talking about how the Jays like leave all these fastballs, just let them go down the middle because they're looking for breaking balls. And when they're noticing something, you know it's bad. And then there there are other examples that, that you can see where uh, the 3-2 pitch is a breaking ball. It happened like three times tonight. So I, I think they are really mixed up about what to expect from, from American League pitchers, which is credit to the pitchers for confusing them, I guess. But it's game 158. Yeah. <laughs> Pick. Either you're going to sit <laughs> on the breaking ball and look stupid when you're wrong, or you're going to sit on the fastball and look stupid when you're wrong. But for please, be swinging and be wrong. Yeah, yeah the Jays left eight men on base in this game. And the Orioles, I, again, we got to the, the ninth inning, up 2-1. And I'm like... <sighs> This is the Orioles. They are the bottom of the order, too. But they're the homeriest team in baseball. 
You think the Blue mm-hmm. Jays hit a lot of home runs? No, the Orioles hit more. That's basically all the Orioles do. So, by the way, just on that note, this is, I think, the 15th game in a row that they have not hit a home run and they have therefore lost. They've lost the last 15 games where they have not hit a home run. And I'm not shocked at all. Because occasionally, you do need a single or a double with men on. You you can't just, uh, like we said, watch the the third strike go by, wherever the third strike is. And if you're not sure about it, maybe you need to foul a few off until you are sure. I think the I feel like the Blue Jays were better at fouling pitches off last year. Does that sound stupid? Um, I don't know if it does or not. I mean, they're they're good at fouling off fastballs down the middle. That's not the one I'm looking to foul off, though. That's <laughs> it's not my deep, burning desire to see stuff down the pipe at 91 or 93 fouled off or yeah. missed. Yeah, I mean, they did have that game. They, the first game of the Yankees series, they hit uh, Mitchell very well. But then they just went back to what they've been doing where they struggle to score again, which is it's very strange. Yeah, the, much like Bautista, it's in there. Um, I would say Tulowitzki has has really come up into his own in the in the past few weeks. But instead of hitting dingers, he's hitting doubles, and they don't help. And oh, well, then Marcus, then Michael Saunders comes up after him, and he's been <laughs> atrocious. Yep, like he shouldn't be playing. I mean, I, well, I mean, well, I, it's hard to bench him. I guess I don't know because you know he could come out of it, but I mean he he's not showing any signs of it. No, no. Uh, but your your choices are, are: do you play Melvin every day, or Zeke? Every I give day? ten points to Ezekiel Carrera for embracing the leadoff role while Devin Travis has been hurt for two games. Yeah, <laughs> we got home runs. We got uh, we got walks. <laughs> we got we got everything. Um, Zeke's done this before, though, right? He had like five games or six games where he looked like he was going to set the world on fire and then yeah he had the first like six weeks of the season he was hitting 390 or something <laughs> and then it's like people go all oh, right yeah sorry we, we forgot we found the page in the book that tells you how to get Carrera out we just got to go back to that now <laughs> <laughs> oh well oh so I mean the good news is obviously like you know if they win tomorrow they're still massively in the driver's seat mm-hmm or, or today, or whatever day you're listening to Thursday. If they win Thursday, you know, then then it's pretty much theirs. Yeah. Well, I mean, winning the first game of the series was actually takes a lot of the pressure off, right? Because um, then the best Baltimore can leave with is a tie. If you lose the first game of this series, then you're kind of you're like, oh, what happens? Could could we be behind when when we leave to go to Boston? They cannot be behind when they leave to go to Boston. So that's something right there. And every single tiebreaker scenario has the Blue Jays at home playing a game. Yep. And the the, the Red Sox have clinched the AL East. <laughs> this is a, it was a fun tweet from Matt Corey. They, they, so the Red Sox lost on a walk-off <laughs> grand slam from Mark Teixeira. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what the Jays had lost as well. So, so Matthew Corey, congratulations, Red Sox, on winning a division in the worst possible way. <laughs> That may be, yeah, I would have to say that might be the most depressing way to clinch I've ever heard of. Watching to share around the bases and going, going to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad to share stuck it to somebody else in his last uh, last hurrah there. Yeah. 
I didn't want his last home run to be against the Blue Jays, but that's just me personal, taking it personal. Oh, goodness me. Do you uh do you want to roll this over to questions? I think we've we bashed the I think offense it's time. enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have overall just you know, it's still four and two week. They've Not done the some the good things and they're in a good position. Though you wouldn't know that from the past ten minutes. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Uh all right. Do you just want me to take the questions from the top here? The ridiculous sure. and the sublime? Alright. Uh from baseball her or ball her at baseball her who does not listen to the podcast so we won't mention her name ah oh, crap maybe i should bleep her name maybe I she'd like to mention that just read the question <laughs> oh sorry would you ever invite joe biagini on the podcast how long would you be able to tolerate him before quote accidentally unquote hanging up <laughs> he's weird man <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's definitely got something socially different about him uh, i don't think he's he yeah he he wants to joke and he's a pre-game interview with hails and may when she's asking about a pitch he's like oh, oh you mean like like my singing it's like oh just answer the question <laughs> uh i think he's worried that people will realize he's just impersonating a baseball player he's just doing it really really well and now he doesn't know what to do well, your tweet was funny about uh, the Giants in the Rule Five. <laughs> you thought so? Yeah. I was. I was thinking maybe there's someone in the Gi- Giants who is was just terminally annoyed by him, whether in the front office or on the team. And I thought maybe they just like quote accidentally unquote left him unprotected in the draft just to see if someone would take him. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> he got away. <laughs> now I never have to talk to him again. <laughs> I have no evidence uh. for that at all. Um. All right, so we have at Shift Evil. Why didn't I pick a Twitter name like that? Tristan Anthony Bourdain asked, who is the funniest at BP Toronto? Josh. Not us. No, thank you. I'm glad you said it was me. Or, or you no, just I asked I me the question. You, <laughs> no, I just, I just handed the question over to you. <laughs> don't, don't even, no. Uh, no it's I'm gonna definitely give, not me. I'm going to give the shout out to Nick Dyka, although I attempt to write funny things from time to time. Uh, He's our humor guy, for sure. Yeah, because, well, the last thing I wrote that I tried to be funny was about the length of Ezekiel Carrera's arms, and people took it seriously. <laughs> that was really funny, though. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just, but it's a joke. I, I'm like very, very politely trying to explain to people, I'm sorry if you took this seriously, but I, my intention was to be joking. So I'm obviously oh, not that funny. I don't think that's happened to Nick. People so. are just weird. And uh, it has happened to Nick, so just just okay. don't. So I'll, I'll have one for you now. All right. So could Gibbons, this is from CM Flash at the Seahound, could Gibbons have de-escalated the Yankees brawl before it started by ensuring Hap didn't retaliate? If so, why not? Or why didn't he? I would say yes, he could have. I mean, he could have absolutely said, don't go out there and, and, uh, and do anything stupid. I don't think he necessarily saw it coming i i i I don't think managers are necessarily thinking that way about a game he's he's probably thinking a lot more about lineups and matchups and he's not thinking about that emotional back and forth or or whatever's going on and that's my guess as to why he didn't is he didn't see it coming but i think there's more to it than that like he doesn't want to be the manager who's like not standing up for his players right yeah, well, and he thinks it's a bonding experience as well, because he's kind. Of, I mean, he's old school in that respect. 
he's he yeah. said as much right he said that it's you want your guys to stick together tough for them to stick together when one of them is on crutches and uh, another one is in the treatment room but you know <laughs> together ish oh my goodness uh do you want the really tough question from uh sure from our from our oftentimes guest matt matt cory at maddie maddie 2000 who you probably should already be following how do you think the jays playoff rotation top three or four depending stacks up with the other american league playoff teams this is actually a pretty tough question. I mean, a week ago or or two weeks ago, it's like, oh, Cleveland's way ahead, but they've lost Salazar and Carrasco, and then Kluber left the, his start early. So, and then Texas, Darvish and Hamilton not pitching well. Uh, Boston Price keeps getting lit up. But he's, you know, uh, Porcello's good. I, I, I don't think there's a good playoff rotation. I mean, obviously the Jays are have all these guys pitching well. But there's no real guy that you're like, oh, that that guy's the ace. That guy's gonna not knock you down in the game. But I think the Jays, you could say they have the best rotation of anybody in the playoff in the American League, unless Detroit gets in. Are are some of these guys though, like Hamels and and Verlander and uh, I'm, I'm looking well, at I think, Detroit. Okay, like for, so bound, yeah, yeah, bound I think to right. pitch better. Yeah, so Texas, like their one two are great if they're pitching at their best, but their three four if they're going for four is not very strong boston pomerans has been sore uh they have porcello price pomerans and eduardo rodriguez uh, a lot of these so. other rotations seem better if they're three starters if they go four deep i think you got to say the blue jays are the best one. Oh yeah no i i think that I, I i've i don't remember a blue jays rotation in in recent memory where i really wouldn't have a problem with any of the the top four guys starting a game that uh, there are some i would prefer over others uh but the fact that r.a dickey is not a factor is kind of astonishing considering how long r.a dickey has kind of been right the the 200 inning guy who you needed to fill up a back end of a rotation and now you're looking at everybody else going oh i guess with liriano in there you don't really need r.a dickey that's kind of crazy yeah yeah i mean it's just I just think the Blue Jays have the best four, like four very solid guys, which I don't think any other team has. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I actually think, but I, I don't. I think this is close enough that it was a question. I think all of these rotations have their their strengths and their weaknesses. Oh yeah, and I, and I don't think by any stretch that the one two guys from those other rotations are soft touches at all. I think there's yeah, some like, really I, I don't, good I, pitchers out there. I don't want to face hamels and darvish i don't i don't want to face price and porcello i i don't want to face well Tillman if, and if, nobody. If, if, well no <laughs> screw the orioles they're pitching socks but uh, you know verlander fulmer or or kluber and well bauer i mean that's cleveland right now oddly has the worst one which what they had far and away the best one a few weeks ago why depth matters all right we will yeah. move on to the next question uh brian our good buddy Brian asks, has there ever been a time where you were got so mad at a player on an MLB team for some reason you wanted to punch them? One not called Roughned Odor or however you spell that jerk's name. Or say it because it's not Roughned. But, uh, That's how we spelled no. it. <laughs> <laughs> Roofned? There's no H. I didn't say an H. <laughs> it's the one you pronounce it like a f. <laughs> uh, uh, but no i mean i you get really upset and annoyed at other players i've never 
wanted to hit him. Well, after everything I've said about brawls, I kind of can't say, oh, yeah, but I would punch this guy. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'd be a wee bit hypocritical. <laughs> so we'll move on. What else you yeah, got? Yeah, so well, yeah, I, I was thinking that this question would have made sense to do after the last one. But so this is from Dave. Oh, Ghost. Goss, I can never remember. I'm so sorry, Dave. <laughs> Do you put Sanchez or Stroman in playoff bullpen to pitch two innings with Liriano's emergence, Benoit's injury, and really struggling? And by two innings, he means the seventh and the eighth each, not like two innings at a time. Um, no, 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 no. He means like the two at a time for one guy. But so like they go out there and they go seventh, eighth inning in this game and then the seventh, eighth inning in the next game. I, I don't. Me? No. I don't. I, I take. I take my chances with Grilly. Well, I think that what what the emergence of Liriano actually does here is that it gives them a second lefty in the bullpen, and it allows them to deploy Cecil as a one inning guy and limit Grilly to freaking right handed hitters. He cannot get lefties out. Stop doing it. <laughs> Do you hear us, Mister Gibbons? <laughs> Josh has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> He just can't throw strikes to them, and then when he does, they hit them out of the park. But That sounds like a bad yeah. combination, Josh. Yeah, but no, but having Liriano would allow them to deploy Cecil as a full-inning guy and be use Liriano and Benoit as specialists, or Liriano as a full-inning guy. I mean, they have would have options there. I, I, so I could understand putting Sanchez or Stroman in the bullpen, but I don't think that's the best play. Um, so that immediately follows, I guess, Mark Gillis. Mark underscore Gillis, which I believe we sort of answered this last week, but who pitches the wild card game? I, last week it was who who do we think we should, we would pitch? Um, who's lining up for it right now? Is it Sanchez? Well, I mean, technically Sanchez right now lines up for the last game of the season, but that's not going to matter, hopefully. Um, and it, it's going to be Sanchez if he's on, if he doesn't pitch that Sunday game. Booyah. Uh, which means I got to go up the list again. Well, I'll read one. This one is from Blue Jay Thoughts. Where, what are Joey Bat's splits between batting leadoff and fourth this year? Are there any resources online you can use to look this up? Hey, we get to help someone here. So, I you know I have this up, so I'll just read the question and answer it myself. <laughs> You're the man. Uh, baseball reference on their player pages, if you click on the splits, it has this information for you. You just scroll down. It has a whole bunch of cool things. You know, there are numbers in certain counts leading off an inning with certain runners on base and they do have where they're hitting in the order leading off Batista has hit a 239 batting average of 341 on base and a 459 slugging in 185 plate appearances batting fourth 281 418 516 which is obviously very very good but it's only 79 plate appearances lineup spot doesn't matter no he's going to hit how he hits wherever he is Indeed. The only thing that matters with the lineup spot, as we would care to remind you, is if you would like your best hitters to get up more often, you have to put them higher up in the lineup, which is all that it's really about, is who do you want to get the, your extra plate appearance? Ezekiel Carrera or Jose Bautista? I, yeah. I answer that every time with Jose. Yeah. But yes, I think that's enough questions. Uh, yeah, for sure. Do, 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 yeah, we, do. we got a question about qualifying Saunders still. I, uh, it's just... Who knows? <laughs> okay, I will still quickly though. Who who do you want the Blue Jays to play in the wild card game? That's at Les Hart. Baltimore, Hart. without Emotion. question. Yeah, it's like not even close. For the same reason we talked about, other teams can throw a good pitcher. Baltimore can't. Boom. Okay. 
we have to move on to the do-over. I have to go... I, I have a visual aid. Can you see the visual aid? <laughs> I, I have <laughs> seen the visual aid, so I'll pretend I'm still looking at it. <laughs> All right, so this is for the Sportsnet graphics people. Um, and they put up the American League leaders in earned run average. And uh, and who do we have on top of that list? The the Blue Jays, Masahiro Tanaka. Really? Okay. Uh, and who do we have second on that list? The uh, Rick Porcello of the Houston Astros. Really? And <laughs> third on that list is? Aaron Sanchez of the Blue Jays. Now, Jace has some really good starting pitching. First of all, uh, I figure we would have covered the Masahiro Tanaka trade on the podcast <laughs> the week it happened. And uh, although it was not, you know, particularly Jays affecting, I feel like when Porcello got traded to the Houston Astros, we would have felt that that was worth mentioning since we wouldn't have to face him anymore. But neither of those things happened. What universe? Like, was there a point... During the season at which the the top three ERA leaders were a Blue Jay, an Astro, and a Blue Jay? Is that what happened here? I can't see that. The Astros pitching hasn't been very good. Was there a point last year? Where, like, I'm literally <laughs> trying to imagine. Who, you know what? That's probably what it was. Price, Keuchel, and Estrada or something. It may have been. So someone is sitting there with a graphic actively ignoring like the left hand third of these low it's big logos by the way they're, they're pretty noticeable if you've seen the graphics the, the, this this graphic and tweet will be on the podcast page you'll have to go check it out it's really bad and it's like how did you like and then obviously someone somewhere actually said okay well i'll put that one up <laughs> that one looks good to me it, it rivals the R.A. Dickey graph, quote-unquote, of pitch usage, which was a bar graph, which was two just random height bars that had nothing to do with the two numbers that were associated with the bars. Yeah, Sportsnet doesn't know how to do bar graphs. Um, my goodness. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a do-over. Uh, if you would like to put up a graphic of a league-leading anything, and please check the team... That you associated the person with first and then run it by somebody else uh, we won't bring this particular one up again but I have a feeling that that's you know not what well, not what's gonna happen uh, we were gonna have an, we were considering another do-over but we're not going to give a do-over because some no. things you don't get to do over would you like to introduce our not do-over candidate I'm not. I'm not going to read the tweets because no. screw him. <laughs> yeah, Steve Clevenger, horrible human being for the Seattle Mariners with his racist tweets. You, no doer for you. Just go f yourself. Indeed. Um, basically, uh, yeah, we, we, you don't get a do over on blatant racism, uh, nor uh, being happy that people have been hurt or killed. Also, not cool. Um, you don't get any do-overs for that. Uh, also, not really. I thought a I covered it. Not <laughs> a slip-up. Not a moment in error. So yeah. Also, uh, did you think that the Clevenger trade for Trumbo could get worse for the Mariners? 
He's been part week. of two of the worst trades in the past few years. He and Feldman were traded for Jake Arietta and Pedro Strope, and then he was traded for Trumbo. <laughs> Stop uh, trading for Steve Clevenger. Well, you can't really trade for Steve Clevenger at the moment. I think he's kind of um, in no man's land. Oh. Well, we, we are at the point where um, I think we still have time for the cliche of the week. Would you would you like uh, to hear the cliche of the week? Sure. Giving him a blow. I'm uncomfortable with that as a baseball phrase. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. And it started with John Gibbons. And you thought it was only John Gibbons using it. But I have a quote from an article with Ross Atkins about Aaron Sanchez. Quote, <clears throat> like I've said from the beginning, every start will assess. Atkins said without addressing the specifics how he does like the start he came up with the finger the blister it made sense to give him a blow at this point end quote phrasing people there are a lot of ways to say <laughs> he needs a break and there are a lot of things like here's what I challenge anybody who uses the phrase give him a blow for a rest or a moment to take a breather just type give him a blow into any internet search engine <laughs> and see if any of the top 10 responses come up in relationship to sports that's it uh, and I think I'm confident that we can set that one to bed yeah <laughs> I think you covered that nicely <laughs> okay so yeah Cliches, do-overs, all the good stuff. Um, did we have any other thoughts or uh, notes on the week that I have somehow glossed over? Yeah, Blue Jays signed a new scouting director or hired a new scouting director. Steve Sanders, not of Beverly Hills 90210 fame. You are dating yourself, Josh. I don't care. We <laughs> <laughs> get to make those main reference like that. <laughs> He was with the with the Red Sox, and he came up with the Dodgers. He's been around. He's got a good reputation. Cool. Um, we are going to have, I should mention now, uh, an interview, which we're going to release separately uh, due to, uh, shall we put, say, scheduling and technological limitations. Uh -huh. uh, we are going to have Rob Butler, one-time Blue Jay and Canadian and Torontonian, yes? Mm, yes, that's correct. So we were supposed to have this today. I recorded the interview. It was actually he was very good as expected. And because my computer's program suck, I once again lost the interview. So we're going to do it again on Friday and release it immediately after just as a standalone. You'll want to hear it. Assuming he's going to say something similar. So look for that. Uh, and very gracious of Mr. Butler to agree to uh, to reschedule for us on that. So I'll Definitely. say that right now. All right. Do you have an official final thought? <laughs> oh, sadness, despair. No, I, you know, it's like it, it, there's a lot of goofy things that have been going on with this Jays season. We talked about, you know, the, the home runs and they not winning when they they don't score. Or they, they, they're they two and 22 when they score two runs, which is last in baseball. That's kind of crazy. And it, and it's not, you know, the Jays are not a 20 games under 500 team when they score two runs. Except you know, with their are. starting pitching. So it's like they've had a lot of really rotten sequencing, which they're still a very good team. 
That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> you just want to convince yourself that there's still a very good team. I, I'm trying to keep myself on the ledge, man. Um, Yeah, I think every loss at this point in the season, as my final thought, it is, is very, very trying. Even though it may not actually put them in or out of a playoff position because they they're in in pretty good shape to at least you know play a wild card game under under favorable circumstances i i just think that every loss is sort of a reminder that at some point one loss is going to end the season here it might be a week from now it might be two weeks but this just they're not playing like a team that is destined to roll on into the world series and that that feeling is not a good feeling and I, I'm really not used to it because for years they were never here. And then last year they did look like a team that was going to roll on into the World Series at this point in the season. So, so maybe the baseball guys will even it out. Oh, yeah, totally. The baseball gods are very kind to the Blue Jays, aren't they? <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, one, one final note. Go read Jeff Sullivan's The Worst Called Ball of the Pitch FX Era. Because Josh Donaldson took a pitch that was literally the most in the middle of the strike zone and it got called a ball since and it wasn't the umpire's fault it was a little bit the umpire's fault but i'm sorry the when the catcher catches the ball like that but yes go read the article <laughs> all right oh <laughs> uh, that means that uh i have been greg wazdowski at coolhead 2010 and you have been josh Housem at joshua Housem, and this has been episode number 31 of artificial turf wars and we'll see you well, very quickly on Friday afternoon <laughs> and then next <laughs> <Yay>. week. <laughs>